and uh, we'll get going. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of How the Hell Do We Wind Up Here podcast. Join with the uh, illustrious gentleman from the Operation Red Pill, uh, the podcast, as their name uh, so so says. So, kind of before we get into it, uh, I'll let uh, I'll let them introduce themselves to you. Tell you know, tell everybody where where they can find you, and uh, we'll get we'll get going from there. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, for those of you new to this podcast, which is probably just about anybody listening because we're still under 20 episodes. Uh, you know, the premise of the podcast is pretty simple. We all know the world is a messed up place. We all can identify where it's kind of gone wrong. Um, but in my uh, kind of starting this, the thought has been that the podcast community is really good about throwing out, you know, keywords. We'll say things like, you know, uh, masons or lizard people or nephilim or but then we leave it at that like we we drop these big words these big phrases but we never really that and that's a that's a general term because there are guys like you guys out there and some other ones who do a really good job of backing up what they say but really what i wanted to do is just kind of take a look at how we got to this point that we're at today not so much that we are at this point because we all know but we can all kind of take a step back look back and go, this is how we got to this point. You know, this is how I think it led up to here. Here's a couple examples. And uh, maybe at the end, kind of find a way to get out of it or, you know, make it better for ourselves and, uh, and everything like that. So, uh, so with that gentlemen, um, I guess we'll go ahead and start it off. And so the, the, the question of the whole thing is, you know, when you take a look at this world, just kind of what's, uh, what's your take on it? Where, uh, you know, where did it get, Where's it messed up at in your mind or the biggest ones? Cause like there's probably thousands, but you know, maybe one or two and just how do we get there? Surprise! That's, a, that's the quickest episode we've ever done, guys. Thanks for coming on. Uh, hey, That's a lot.
Yeah. Yeah, man, let's let's get into it.
Yeah, that's no, I was going to say that's a lot. That's a lot, especially with not knowing what you guys are coming with and trying to process it in a span of like three minutes. Um, but, but no, I, I agree. You know, I, I, I think, you know, you, you look at these kids, you know, I have the luxury of my wife's a teacher. We've got friends and family who are teachers um, and they're all in the younger ones. And, and you see these kids who really don't know either what their place is in this world or, um, they come from a single parent household, you know, and the world tells them they have to be one way, but mom wants them to be, a, you know, a different way or, or whatever. And it, it's, they definitely are lost. It's, uh, Doug, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, Doug Hamp. He's a Christian. He, he was a pastor through the Calvary Chapel movement. Um, he wrote a book, a couple books, uh, about corrupting the image and how basically that's Satan's whole plan is to basically corrupt our, corrupt our, his, his process on it is to corrupt our DNA. Because you corrupt our DNA, then he can – that's his building block to build on top to get to where, like, what you were talking about. Because, you know, mankind and, and this earthly realm are basically kind of, like, codependent on each other. And if he can control – if he control one, then he, can, then he definitely can control the other. So is it your contention? Is it your contention that was was Satan's plan? Uh, was his plan the whole time to corrupt the image in the way that it's getting to now? Do you think, or do you think it was initially just a separation thing um, in the garden? And I know the Bible's the Bible's very quiet on that. And so, you know, I know the old adage is where the Bible is loud, we're supposed to be loud or the Bible is silent. We're supposed to be silent. But at the same time, just, you know, for giggles kind of, you know, do you think it was his contention the whole time to completely wreck the narrative or do you think it's something, a plan that has grown kind of as his, as, as his strength has grown, maybe if that makes sense. Yeah. Right.
Geil. Yeah, I've always wondered since he's not, you know, since he's not all knowing and he's not all powerful, that you know, that the the the, the that all of his whatever has to come through through the creator, through through God, basically. If you ever get surprised that something actually worked, like if it works and he kind of looks around and goes, hmm, I didn't think that was actually gonna happen. So maybe I can build on top of that now, you know, sort of thing. So I don't know. They showed in all the Marvel movies, right? Like when somebody disagrees and they're struck by a lightning bolt from whoever, you know, is in charge of the. I'm sure it's the same way there, too. If somebody, some demon or whatever speaks out, then they're going to, you know, they probably get zapped or, you know, back to the end of the line at least or something.
Yeah, well, in second Second Corinthians talks about I think the word is cunning. That that he's he's it talks about when he was with Eve that he was he deceived her by his cunningness, and so I'm sure it's the same way, you know that the way that he the way that he acts, you know, being a what is he called angel of light, you know, or whatever. I'm sure he can wrap just about anything up and make it look you know presentable and make it look really really well done. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Genesis shows how he presented it too, right? He's like, no, 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 it's not. That's you misunderstood. You, you know, you miss, you misheard, you miss, you know, you all that stuff. So. So I think I think that there I think that there is and this is where I kind of land on all on all of this the 66 books that we have that were put together you know we all kind of know the the story as to how it was put together but one of the things I don't think we ever talk about and I think it's because we don't know is the information that was left out that's hiding in some 13 mile underground tunnel underneath this small little city in Italy called the Vatican you know there's I think there's so much more information that's out there. We get little glimpses of it if we read things like Jubilees or Enoch or, you know, the Book of Giants and some of these other ones. But I don't know if we're ever going to get the the. I don't really know if we're ever going to really get the clear picture as to what actually happened and what was going on. And even what the ultimate, ultimate truth really, really, really like inside the whole thing. I know Jesus is the truth. I know I, I know that. What, But I'm just saying just. All of the the one hundred percent truthful answers that are out there, I think, I think they're hidden. I don't think we're ever going to get those. And I think it's really weird that we get six sentences or whatever that is in Genesis six about the Nephilim and the angels, and then that's like that's it. It's just this, it's this little passage of scripture that, if you read it the way it is, like it it does not belong there, other than it got put there somehow. I don't know why. I'm glad that it did because it gives us information, but I don't think we're ever going to have the 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 whole the whole information is a package.
So I'll put it I'll I'll put it like this and I and I'll let it land if you guys want to chase it you we more than welcome to if we just kind of want to let it go and and not and save it for another time but I think we can all agree that as a whole religion is definitely something that is there to one divide man and two really to conquer man and to keep them under control and so when you can control what what information is is let out it's 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 a lot easier to be able to control people that way in my in my opinion a man-made construct you know i'm i'll say i'll say i'm so yeah when i say religion i'm saying more as a christianity as a whole you know what it is today versus i think what maybe the intention of it was when you know what it's supposed to look like same thing with you you know you can put, if you want to put catholicism under the christianity label leave it on its own i think it falls the same the same way we can say you know christianity is definitely something that's led by or catholicism is definitely definitely something that's led by a man and they they are the ones who really put the charge into putting the Bible together. And, you know, we're, we're the big, the big church in the beginning of the church starting really, you know, for, for thousands and thousands of years, you know? So when I say religion, that's more what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, you know, your, your Southern Baptist church down the street or your Calvary chapel down this way or something like that. I mean, religion just kind of as a, as a whole, Right. 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 Yeah. So when I say when I say religion, what I'm what I'm so I'll back up and I'll I'll put out there. I, 
I grew up in a very fundamentalist Southern Baptist church, very traditional, very, and from, by the time, so I got quote unquote saved, became a believer, whatever, when I was five, six, maybe something like that. And from that point on, I was taught more as to what it's like to be a good little Southern Baptist boy than what it is to be a man of God, right? So as a Southern Baptist to go to this church, we don't drink, we don't dance, we don't smoke, we don't chew, and we don't hang around with girls who do. You know, those were the those those were the rules that you had to follow as a as a Southern Baptist. So when I say religion, I think I mean more rules. Like religion is there to establish rules. It's not about you go on the flip side. You want to talk about a relationship with your savior. That's a whole different, that's a whole different argument. That's all, or not argument, but conversation. But as far as religion goes, I think religion is just, it's a way to put man-made rules on how to, on how to worship or on how to be a part of this community because apparently we have the right track sort of thing, which I think is dangerous on another flip side of itself because to say that the Holy Spirit's talking for pastor to say that Holy Spirit's talking to him stronger than the church down the street and the church down the street is wrong. That's a whole other, you know, those are just some of the, some of the problems um, that I see with that, I guess. And we could, I just, like I said, I kind of threw it out there. I know you guys have the stuff you wanted to cover. So that can always be a discussion for, for another time at it. Cause it, I know it's a big, it's a big. <laughs> sure. So I don't I I won't say that it's intended use wise, but I think the outcome of man being behind it, man being behind religion, not behind relationship, but man being behind religion is what is has has corrupted it to, you know, even <laughs> I don't know how deep you want to get into it because I can, <laughs> yeah. Well, so so the, the 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 offset of that is, even though let's say it was used to control, let's say it's even Old Testament times, you know, because we'll, we'll talk about Old Testament times. The the people, the Jews in the Old Testament, even if it quote unquote was there to control them, which I'm not saying it was, I think it was there to to you know to guide them, but they still went off the rails all on their own, you know, so. Man is, you know, so it's not, I think initially it was set up 
to be to be a guide, right? I think that's you know, here's your Ten Commandments, here's the other six hundred and whatever laws that there are. Here's a priest who's going to converse with God. Here's my prophets who are going to be able to take my message, sort of thing. So I think that I think it was there, but I think man man came in and it when man comes in and tries to take over something that God had set has set forth the the uh, the outcome of it is never good, right? I think we can agree with that, and so I think. I think a lot of I think a lot of these these churches, these religious organizations, these um, these belief systems, whatever you want to call it, they take God out of the equation because for them it becomes nickels and noses. We've got to keep the lights on. We got to have internet. We got to have smoke machines and gold dust and feathers falling from the ceiling and you know all the when God is taken out and it becomes just up to man's own devices. That's where my problem is with it. I'm not saying. I'm not saying religion as a whole is there to well, let me back that up. I'm not saying relationship with the, your creator as a whole is there to, to try to tell you what to do. I think religion, when man steps in and takes God out of the equation and says, as a Southern Baptist, as a second Baptist, as an Anabaptist, as a, this, as a, that, this is how we have to worship based on this, you know, one of one of two or three thousand denominations that are out there. That's called divine intervention, Christopher. Right. And so for those listening who may not be familiar, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you just to clarify. Number one, the term antediluvian, when you say that. Or the flood. OK, I just and then uh, um, you were talking about the 200 watcher angels for those listening as well. That that term, that that amount of number, you're not going to find that in the Bible. Right. That's in extra biblical writings. You're going to find that in Enoch. You're going to find it in, in some of the other ones that are out there. So if you're listening, trying to flip through Genesis looking, you're not going to find it right now. You're going to have to Google Enoch and you'll get a little bit more uh, more info out of that. So. So. No, it's all right. My dog, your dog, barking. I'm like, shit. Hey, <laughs> you know she's here to protect me. So she completely threw me off. No, but no, I I agree. You know, I think I think we're both. I think we're kind of talking about the same thing, just different different words, sort of. You know, sort of thing. So, um, yeah. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, it happens in my household, right? You said, no, that's not what I meant, though. I want you to listen to what I meant, not what I said. Right. <laughs> no. Right. Oh, there's that. Thanks for bringing that back up. 
So what's next? Where are we going after that? Oh, Christopher left. Oh, okay. So you're really a Falcons fan or you're just a fan of the hat? <laughs> None of them? True story. True story. You just got to answer and be like, you know what? If they hit more home runs than anybody else, we'll be good. You know, just throw something out there that really confuses everybody. What? Right. <laughs> yeah. And see if somebody will actually comment or be like, oh, okay. Right.
You're gonna actually turn the you're gonna actually turn the car around. Well, so I just wanted to clear up my contention on on Young Maiden version. So, so my my contention with it is this, and this has only risen in the past couple years um, as I've really tried to start doing more of a deep dive into into what the Bible says. So Matthew uses that that term when he when he talks about Mary being a virgin when Jesus is born, right? And he and he and he references he references a verse in in Isaiah. It's like Isaiah. I don't remember 53 or I don't remember. I know it's in Isaiah somewhere. So that prophecy was not about Jesus. When you read it in Isaiah, that's my contention with that verse and how people use it. It's not so much the word as much as it is in Isaiah there. Jerusalem is being under siege and the prophet tells the King, there will be a woman, a young, a young woman, and that word is Alma, A-L-M-A-H. It has never been used for the word virgin other than that one place. Any other time that word is used, it means young maiden, young female, it, but it doesn't ever mean virgin, even though it can. And so people say that when Matthew used that, that he, that, that was, a, or that when it was used in Isaiah, it's a prophecy for that in Matthew. And it's not because that prophet is saying, I'll be back in a year's time. There'll be a young woman who has a, who has a baby. And when that baby is born, you will be redeemed. And so that's, that's more my contention with when things are used, not in the way. And I think Matthew's just saying, Hey, remember this verse? Remember when this popped up in our, in our, in our people's history? Well, look, our redemption has come, but I don't. There's no way that verse was ever a, a ever a prophetic verse for for Jesus, in my in my opinion, you know, of 
taking half a semester of theology. So, so when 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 my contentions with my when it's a contention, it's with that word, or it's with how people use it versus what it what it is. Because the word is the word is what it is. It's you know it it just, it is. It's like the color red. The color red is the color red. You know so. Um, but yeah, my contention is more with how they use it. Yeah, and I'm not saying he's not. I'm not saying he wasn't at all. I'm just saying, yeah, I'm just saying when somebody's trying to use a verse for prophecy, when that verse wasn't a prophetic verse at all sort of thing. That's an interesting point. I never considered the fact that it didn't do anything for humanity initially, initially, other than give them the opportunity to to take it for themselves. That's interesting. I never I never looked at it like that. Really?
You think uh, he's going to get a security deposit back, or is Jesus going to be like, uh, th "This is not the condition we left. We left. You know, you're not, you're not getting a security deposit back. In fact, you owe me more." <laughs> yeah, Satan's there with a the toothpaste, filling in all the little holes from the nails, going, "No, no, I got it. It's good. I got it. Look, just a little bit of shine, and we're good." Yeah. Just correct this picture, hang it upright, you know, you're good. Right. <laughs> it came it, it came like this. It, it was it was broken when I got it. Like you're not as all knowing as you thought you were, because this is broken ahead of time.
Duolingo. That's what you, you want to go with Duolingo. It's an app on your phone. It's free and it'll teach you another language. Yeah. My kids used it for uh, Spanish in high school and in, in middle school and it, it, they passed. So it works that well. <laughs> yeah. He, but the ones he speaks is he speaks Nephilim, antediluvian. Uh, he, he signed up for the platinum edition. I do. You got you got yourself a real life Nephilim right there. Right. See, the, the smart play for a form for another language in college is sign language. If you have, if you can find a college that they'll teach you sign language as your foreign language, that's the way to do it. Yeah, it comes, it comes in handy. <laughs> yeah, the one, the ones that when you're driving on the freeway. Yeah. Even up foreign relations, you know, for the bird. Well, what's the old adage? What's the old adage? There, there's, there hasn't been a weapon made that man hasn't used for evil, or you know, I probably kind of ruin that that but that's basically the the feeling of that whole statement is there there's not a weapon out there or a piece of technology for that matter that man hasn't ended up using for evil Or it's something they've had for 50 years and to be able to put it into the public mindset and knowledge, they finally have to release it at a certain time. Right. Yeah. Right.
I'm not even sure those stories are real necessarily. I don't think it took some guy named Newton to watch an apple fall from a tree to realize that there's some sort of force out there that makes things fall. I'm pretty sure for 5,000 years before that, people knew that things fell when you dropped them out of a tree. You know, I'm pretty. Yeah, well, he can come to my house. I'm sure. I'm sure he knows where I live. So. But it's the same thing with Benjamin Franklin, too. Like, I'm pretty sure people saw lightning bolts hit the ground and hit a bunch of other things before he discovered electricity. You know, I'm not I'm not sure these stories are necessarily true or if they're allegorical just to prove a prove a point. Yeah, well, and so did, I mean, you go down that route, even like Gene Roddenberry from the guy who did uh, Star Trek, you know, he got all his episode stuff from the Council of 13. And, you know, there's other people out there who got all their stuff from the, that Council of 13, allegedly. And so I, I fully, I, I fully think it's, it. I, th I find that more believable than somebody just being the first person to stick their side out ahead of cave and go, oh, that stuff falling out of the sky is wet. We should, you know. I am. Oh yeah, that was that was on my word and day toilet paper also. So we must have the same we must have the same one from Amazon. Who watched the chicken poop out an egg and decided, yeah, or who watched the chicken poop out an egg and decided, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna crack that thing open and eat it. Or how many animals do you have to go through before you figure out cows make the best steak?
Well, and they left us close, right? You look at the pyramids or the Sphinx. I think those are probably two of the, the biggest ones that are out there because I don't know how they were made necessarily. I I personally, I, I lean towards the idea of some sort of energy field to where you could just lift and, you know, move bricks kind of in the air. But I guarantee you it was not a million Jews living in Egypt, you know, lining up bricks side by side to make sure. Because if you do I don't remember who it was. It was, it was either Ellie Marzulli or Chuck Missler. One of them did the math on how long it would have taken to build a a pyramid, having to lift those bricks and set them in place. And it was it was like three lifetimes or something like that. It was absolutely and well, the same thing, the same thing goes with uh with the Tower of Babel. It's either in Jubilees or Enoch, where it talks about once once you started getting to the top it would take somebody a year's walk to get from the ground to the top carrying a brick. And if somebody happened to fall off, they would be more sad about the time that was wasted than the person who actually fell off of the, off of the, the scaffolding or whatever and fell to their death. Yeah, and get and getting whipped and <laughs> we'll see, and that goes well, even with the biblical narrative though, like people inside the church, I'm gonna use big C church right now. Like they don't want to talk about it because they only know what their pastor tells them and they don't look into anything else. And so if it goes against what their pastor, you know, I've got I've I've had pastors before who don't believe the Nephilim were were fallen angels. You know, they would think, you know, the whole children of Seth narrative, you know, it had to be human, blah, blah, blah. So there's people in the church who are the same way who think. No, it can't be that way because my pastor says, but they don't look into it on their own. And then they have no clue how to how to articulate an argument or or which, again, is and I'm not saying this is this is the reason for. But it, again, it causes d division between people where it shouldn't cause division just because they don't know how to talk to each other about it anymore. Well, it's
Yeah. Well, and, well, and critical thinking is something that's just gone away. You know, that's where what it is, you know, in anything now in, in a public place, whether, whether it's church or school or your family or whatever, public, you know, critical thinking is just it's it's a lost art. You know, really, even school, like kids go to school. And I say this very trepidatiously because my wife is a teacher sitting right there. You know, but these kids, these kids are, are like when they when they go to school, they're being taught for one thing. And that's to pass the standardized test at the very end of the school year. And that's it. They're, they're taught to the test. And that's every teacher will tell you will tell you that same thing. Like it's not taught to critically think or open for discussion or, you know, we don't. I've been told before, we don't have time for discussion because we've got, you know, they've got to know this stuff. And, you know, some things, granted math or whatever, it's there. Truths are truth in, in math. Like two plus two is always going to be four. Five times five is always going to be 25. But some of the other classes, you know, where critical thinking and discussion or even church critical thinking and discussion would be a really positive thing. It just it doesn't happen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Right. They do. It's well, you know, I talked to my wife, you know, and she'll come home and like every day it's she's not just a teacher anymore, right? She's got to be a uh, um she's gotta be a psychologist, she's gotta be a psychiatrist, she's gotta be a doctor, she's gotta be this like she can't just be a teacher and the parents sit in the school expecting the teachers to be all these things to them as well you know the parents are like, hey we'll get you for two two hours after school but we're gonna let the school raise you sort of thing oh very much very much you know and it's so i talked about this with, with a couple of people in the past couple of and I'm not going to lay all the blame at the parents' feet, right? Like growing up, I'm a, I'm a product of divorce, but after school, you know, we'd go to my grandparents' house and then my mom would do what she could after she got off work or whatever, but we still have my grandparents to go to. But to, in today's society, both parents have to work. I go to Lowe's or Home Depot or the food store or Walmart. Somebody who should be enjoying their retirement years, taking care of their kids. Guess what? They're not. They're they're at these stores because they have to work. And society puts those those added stresses on people to where, you know, granted, I you got a kid, you got to find a way to do it. That's just the way that it should be. But at the same time, society does not make it easy for you to be able to do it at all as well. When you know a family dinner, or whatever. Now, just because of everybody's schedules is. 
is a very rare thing. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and even with that, you know, I, I realized the other day, so I don't know if I said it when we were recording or not, but my I got two boys, right? They're they're 18 and they're 16. And they play sports and they both work and all these kind of things. So a cell phone is a necessity for, well, not a necessity, but it makes my life a lot easier for them to have a cell phone, you know, to let me know when they need to be picked up or where they're going, whatever. And I realized the other day, you know, I can sit in this back room that's a hundred feet away from one of their bedrooms and text them a question. But I realized the other day, I'm like, that just leaves whatever personal and spiritual and physical and electrical and vibration whatever just completely out of the you know so even even if it's having a cell phone is a good thing going back to what we were talking about earlier it's it's also a weapon it may not be a weapon that like i'm throwing at my son's head but it's a weapon where i'm taking myself out of his life at the same time i mean i still texted him earlier when he was in his room and i was here to but at least i recognize it now so that's a That's a start. <laughs> yeah, I, I always send the pregnant man. That's the one I send all the time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm hip. I'm hip. I'm with it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I don't even know where what it's going to look like in 10 years when you're ready for all this kind of stuff. It's going to be these be portals in your room. They'll walk into their closet and appear in your living room. Yeah.
You know, just put a Baphomet structure outside your house and they'll leave you alone. Like you don't have to do anything, but just put it there. Right. Yeah. Me and Baphomet on the 33 level. Right, but see, he's going to be there, standing there, telling Jesus, oh, it was, "Jesus, it was there. It was, it was there when I got. It was, it, it was there when I got. I, the house came with it. I was scared. I was scared to touch it. He, he kept calling it." He kept calling it Asher. God. I don't know what that was about. <laughs> I redeemed it for you. I closed, I closed my eyes. I thought it was him. Right.
<laughs> no no go ahead I, as soon as I said no I lost what I was going to say so you keep going and if I remember I'll jump back in She's got her headphones on now. We're good. She's got her headphones on. We're good.
Yeah. I can't I can't make it any more better than that. So I'm not even gonna try. Might have to uh might have to go through this a couple of times to uh get a dictionary and figure out what exactly Christopher said in a couple of those sentences. But other than that Right. Do Maybe I'll get like a like a scientific thesaurus and like a theological thesaurus, and then you know, maybe that maybe that'll help a little bit. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I've got my strongs around here somewhere, so I know I know that'll work. So no, fellas, thank you again very much for coming on. It uh, it's been good, and and you know everybody's kind of um had their own different way to, to look at things, but you guys kind of, you know, upped it a notch and took it, um, took it in, into the spiritual level into a, into a way that I think everybody knows is out there, but nobody, not a lot of people are, are willing to touch just because they don't really know how to get into all that spiritual juju stuff that's out there. And, you know, it's, it's kind of scary. Um, especially if you don't have a background in or you bought it, got a background that only shows one side, but not others. And um, so thank you for both of you guys coming on, laying it out um, before I end it, go and tell people one more time where to find you guys. And, uh, and we'll go from there. Yeah, no, this has been fun. Uh, I'll plug their show for them too. There's a lot of great content. How many episodes are you guys up to now? Do you know offhand? Okay, uh, pretty closely uh, approaching that century mark. I will warn people though that if you don't want your Marvel movies ruined for you, or you know, Guardians of the Galaxy three, and all, like, don't go listen to their podcast uh, because they will uh, they'll ruin it for you because it's true. That's the that's the that's the worst part is it's true. It'd be different if it wasn't true. It's just an opinion. But uh, what you guys put out there is is pretty factual. So uh, yeah, for uh, for John for uh, for Christopher and Jason, I'm John the Fed. This has been uh, another episode of the How the Hell Did We Wind Up Here podcast. Go ahead and check them out. Um, all 86 episodes may not be to your liking, but I guarantee you there's going to be at least a handful that you can grab, you can listen to, learn something, and uh, maybe strike up a conversation with them. So uh, for that, we'll uh, we'll head on out. Appreciate it.